Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Gonna throw it. Slam. This bugs for you, Mizzou. They are carving up this LSU defense. They don't get no better than that, man. He's lacked up to short middle Beatty with the catch, and he's gonna jet his way into the end zone. Missouri touchdown. Hand off to Roundtree running left. It's 35 to the 40. Left sideline around the man. This is the Mazzotcast. Howdy, Tiger fans. Welcome to the Mazzotcast. I'm your host, Brendan Anthony. Joining me, as always, is my longtime brother, Colin Anthony. What's up, dum-dums? And we come to you following the uh, Missouri Tigers playing the Florida Gators in the swamp, ultimately losing 24-17. Three straight games down the drain. Three conference games that we played competitively in only to lose, and really in a absolutely impotent final drive kind of fashion. <laughs> I, I know it's uh, Drinkwitz's first three-game losing streak. Yeah. I don't know. This, I'm going to sound crazy right now. But Shocker. But playing competitive in these games these con- and losing them makes me more confident for next year. I feel like we are really on the cusp of being a good team. We're missing a couple of components. Key components, right. We have very key components, but a quarterback and maybe another off, a decent offensive lineman. Now that doesn't this doesn't work into what we're going might lose in the off season because certainly there's guys like Hopper um, and and Jeffcoat and guys like that that are going to going to hurt. Yeah. Um, there's some definitely really some guys in the defense that are going to hurt, and it's going to be but, worrisome to keep guys from the transfer portal that we absolutely need next year. Well, and like I said, I, but I, it, there, strangely enough, I have this these games are giving me more optimism. They're also making more of her frustrated because you yeah. can see right now if Drinkowitz would just play anyone but Brady fucking Cook, we might be able to win some football games. Yeah. I mean, this is, and I tweeted it, I was like, we're paying $4 million to surrender. Yeah. Because running Brady Cook out there is a, just a, a surrender. Like, we're not concerned with or interested in giving ourselves the best chance to win. We're concerned with making sure that Drinkowitz sticks to his plan, whatever that plan is. At this point, no coherent person can make an argument that Brady Cook 
is going to give you a better chance to win than somebody else on this roster. And if that is the case, we have failed at recruiting miserably. He's bad. That first interception was fucking grade school shit. It was I mean, bad. He just it was, threw it to, his, his wide receiver got tripped up a little bit. He just threw it to the defender. The right. second one was maybe even worse because Brady Cook is like me playing golf in that sometimes the ball does what I want it to do, but not because I knew how to do it. Like Brady Cook is just throwing the ball and hoping for the best. Like he throws into coverage all the time. He's not making decisions as a quarterback. He's just winging a prayer. I'm going to throw it. I, this is, I know the route goes here. I'm going to throw it and just pray. I'm not going to identify that my receiver's open or this is the right read. I'm just going to fuck and throw it and hope for the best. And occasionally, that works for him. But it's why he has more interceptions than touchdowns right now. It's why his, as a quarterback, he has been abysmal because he is just winging it. He doesn't have any fucking clue what he's doing, and it's pretty apparent. Um, Colin, I'm seeing people online. Of course, I need to get off of Twitter, I think, because you see people and they're like, "Hey, man, he's getting yeah, better." Reality. He's getting better each and each week, and I'm like, "What the fuck are you talking about, man?" And it's like, if you don't count the two interceptions, I'm like, if you don't count the two interceptions, that's like saying, <laughs> like, other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? You know, and it's like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. what the fuck are you well, talking you about here? Your husband is fucking head blown off. It was a pretty decent show, right? Right. I mean, it's just like, um, so you're not counting the absolute fucking back breaking, horrible mistakes he made? Well, then, yeah, yeah I Jackie, guess. Great point. <laughs> hey, Jackie Kennedy, how was that riding a Cadillac? Yeah, you like Dallas? <laughs> I mean, except for that, you know, the book depository where the road went by there, that, that part wasn't great for sure. But <laughs> well, I tell you what, I was watching it and I, one of the, one of the plays that made me as disheartened in Brady cook as maybe the interception was it was third and eight. We needed to make a conversion. The line broke down, not instantly, but pretty quickly. And he was forced out of the pocket. But you, I just saw a guy who wanted the ball out of his hands as quick as possible. You know, like he didn't know what the fuck to do. He wasn't trying to extend the play. There was not a, there's not a single solitary ounce of Patrick Mahomes in him. You know what I mean? Like he was just like, holy shit, get the ball out of my hands. I'm, he wasn't worried about third down. He wasn't worried about situational football. He, that, that's what I'm saying. Like he is not mentally, not only is he physically limited, he's not mentally prepared to play the game. And so what does he do? He immediately dumps it off as fast as he can to Cody Schrader, four yards behind the line of scrimmage on a fucking third and eight. And we lose four yards. He wasn't looking downfield. He wasn't trying to create anything with his legs. He was just trying to, Jesus Christ, get this ball away from me as fast as possible. And I'm just like, this this guy is not, he doesn't have it. Not in any aspect of the game. He does not have it. Well, I know what, what you were saying about how this team actually is giving you some optimism. I know what you're saying because after the Kansas State loss, it looked to me like we were just in we were all around bad team we were just yeah. we didn't have anything and we had compiled a team who is not good enough to play division one football but that doesn't look like what we are now now it, you're right it looks like a team that is actually not a terrible team and it has a lot of components that are very good and strong the defense has been very good i mean damn like hang on to blake baker folks and and like I said, the quarterback play has been atrocious and the real reason why we have lost three consecutive games. The thing that is more frustrating than Brady Cook playing every week, even though he's terrible, because who knows, you know, the, we may have assembled a terrible roster of quarterbacks, but 
the sad thing to me is I look at the way we play Georgia, first of all, but also Auburn and Florida and some of the teams that are coming down the pike who we will probably lose to. And I think, God, this is a gettable year in the SEC. You know, Auburn is down. We should have we should have won that game. I mean, fuck. You know, Auburn looks well, at us I, and, and thinks we're nobody. I'm like, well, we should have gone into their fucking stadium in Auburn, Alabama, and whooped them and come back with a W. We should have beaten Florida, God damn it. And it wasn't just, oh, my God. It wasn't just well, the quarterback like said, play Drake either. Well, Drake was just choosing to lose to Florida every time he chooses to ride Brady Cook out there. Yeah. And so that is where I am frustrated, very frustrated with Drinkwitz. And I – and the sad thing is, is I don't want to dislike Brady Cook, and I don't on a personal level, but it's the – Drinkwitz doesn't give me a choice because I said it on Twitter, and I'll say it now. Brady Cook lost us that game, the same as the thicker kicker lost us to Auburn. I mean, I, I know everybody likes to fall back. It's a team game. It's like, no, but you can always identify an individual who fucked you in the ass. Yeah, Nate Pete and fucked Brady us Cook, in the ass in Auburn as well. Brady Cook threw yeah. – so he threw a pick six and then a red zone INT. Yeah. And so it's like, what are we talking about? I mean, he – Let's just say we get a field goal on that play. I mean, it changes the complexion of that game completely. And I, I we've been too hard on Cody Schrader, but it is yeah. pretty obvious that Nate Pete is the primary running back. He's the best option we have. Cody Schrader and is suddenly, what we think he is. I mean, he's a guy who's undersized, but has an absolute fucking nose for a hole. You know what I mean? Like that guy is a grinder for sure because he's he's had some really impressive moments and impressive yeah. moments in the Florida game. But Nate Pete is the more gifted running back. Yeah, he's a he does. Don't get, get me wrong. Schrader deserves carries, but I don't know why we aren't treating Pete like we used to treat Roundtree. Where or Beatty. Vast majority. That's what I'm saying. Like the vast majority of the carries go to our best option, and then a, court, a few times throughout the game, you sprinkle in, you know, Schrader because you know you got to give uh, Pete some time off. But it's way too close to fifty fifty split. Way too close. And I'm just like, why Drinkowitz have you completely gone away? I understand that Beatty was an extraordinary talent, and maybe Pete is not Beatty, but I don't understand why you're. Uh, you know, like your outlook on running back workload has changed so fucking drastically from one year to the next. Again, some of the decisions, the play calling is, I didn't have as much problem to play calling this game, but at the end of the day, Brady Cook lost that game. And I'm sorry if you're a Brady Cook fan. And I'm sorry if you're Brady Cook's mom listening. You know what I mean? But it's the truth. He's fucking us. He he doesn't know how, he he doesn't have the mental capacity to process things fast enough. He's got a slow delivery. He is... He's inaccurate. Um, you know, and he's trash. And I, like, again, not on a personal level, but as a football, as a Division One college football quarterback, he's trash. And I don't, and, and, and the Gabe Yarmers of the world can get on us as much as we are because we are so vitriolic towards the players sometimes because, you know, they're precious children. But, you know, just because, you know, Gabe calls him limited and I call him trash, the fucking outcome is the same. You know, I just used a more abrasive word. But at the end of the day, even the press box super friends know that the biggest albatross hanging around the neck of this team is Brady Cook. Meanwhile, back with the press box super friends. Well, and, and Colin, I think you look at you take away the the ints or don't look at them for a second. Take away everything that happened in Georgia, Auburn, and Florida, and take it down to the final possession Missouri had because we were in. We kind of controlled our own destiny in all three of those games. We had an opportunity to score late. And on those pivotal drives, we failed spectacularly each fucking time. I mean, obviously, the Auburn was its own category of just fucking us in the ass. 
But Georgia and Florida, the Georgia game, we threw three straight times, and he overthrew his receiver three straight times. He did the same fucking thing. First of all, we got tackled in the backfield. Well, I, we're going to set a record for ta- getting tackled for a loss this year. My God. Don't, and, and don't forget on that, one of those throws, Barrett Bannister was open for a conversion. Yeah. He just fucking overthrew him. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. He just overthrows guys. He's bad at throwing the ball, you know. And it, yeah. And so, besides the back breaking interceptions, which obviously are marquee, and when you look at the highlight reel, you're going to see those first. Just being utterly impotent on the final drive, you know. It's it's that Tom Brady thing, you know. Tom Brady, love him or hate him, most people hate him. Giselle now included. <laughs> you get down to the final drive, and the guy is just fucking. He smells blood in the water and he fucking goes for it, you know, and that is not Brady Cook. The only thing they share is the word Brady because, you know, when the game is on the line, he's at his worst. He's just at his – I shouldn't even say that. He's not at his worst. He's his average, you know, just overthrowing guys because we ha- we didn't move the ball fuck, fuck all, you know, against Florida or against Georgia when we need it to the most. Fucking nothing. And we're counting on Nate Pete or Cody Schrader to break one open. And you can't count on that. And they will do it. And they have been doing it. And they're good at that. But you can't count on that as your well, offense. You know, that's not an offense. That's Especially a- when an offense gets predictable. You know, situational football. There are certain situations where you know a team has to throw. Or a team, or you're a situation where you know a team wants to run. You know, you're trying to bleed clock. You're trying to get down the field fast. Two-minute offense, whatever. There's situational football. And in the minute we become a team that is predictable, we're screwed. Because Brady Cook is so very limited. He's so trash. That the minute you tell the defense has any indication of what's coming, they'll just shut it down. Because he doesn't have any ability to, to do anything. You know, the minute we become a passing offense exclusively because we have to get down the field in a hurry... And they can just drop everybody back and they don't have to worry about Nate Pete or Cody Schrader. Then it just forget it because if we have to rely on Brady Cook's arm to move the ball down the field or, uh, you know, get a, get a conversion or a touchdown, God forbid, it's over. I mean, we are limited. It's, it's, an, it's silly to do this podcast, Brandon. It's silly to write newspaper articles. It's silly to tweet about it. It's silly to invest in it. As long as Brady Cook is the quarterback. I mean, it is. It's just, it's the same way I felt about the Matt Castle Chiefs. They're like, what are we doing? How long are we going to do this? Well, you know what I mean? How long are fans supposed to swallow this fucking bitter pill? Like, we've got a team. We, I don't want to watch if you're just going to throw Brady Cook out there. I know what happens with Brady Cook. You know, I know the ending to the story before the game even starts. If you're going to start Brady Cook. And as excited as we might get for what next year might hold, we still have to play football this season, you know, like, yes. <laughs> and it's a very, yes. very gettable schedule. You know what I mean? Like, fuck, why are we just surrendering? Why are we just waving a white flag each and every week? And what is the benefit of keeping our four star QB on the fucking bench? It is now midseason. He knows the playbook. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. what are we doing here? Like, what? He's well, got he four Lincoln. fucking games he, he can play. They're so good, they give us a chance. I don't know anything other than this. Horn has four games he can play without even losing his fucking redshirt. If that's even a, even if that matters, and I don't know that it matters in the world of the transfer portal or a guy who could get drafted by Major League Baseball at any moment. But like, what are we fucking doing here? Put him in for a few minutes. Let's see what he's got. Part of me thinks that Drinkwitz is afraid to put Sam Horn in because he will succeed. And I know that sounds crazy, 
But these guys have such enormous fucking egos that I don't think he wants to look stupid. And if Sam Ward is successful, he'll look stupid because he's been giving away football games, conference football games on the road, which are so hard to come by. And he's just been giving them away. Well, it's not just Horn. Abraham, make it. If you put anybody in a cook at this point and he plays well, you're going to look like a kind of a horse's ass. It's exactly what happened with Basilak and Sean Robinson. Basilak immediately looked, looked better. And, but, it ha- but he made that change so early in the season, it was forgivable. Yeah. But at this point, we've, we've frittered away so many games running Brady Cook out there that at this point, if Drinkowitz changes and it works out, of course, you know what, Brennan? I say that, and we will bring it up, and we'll talk about Drinkowitz making poor p- personnel decisions. But at the end of the day, winning cures all. You put a new quarterback in, we'll be like, man, where would we be if Drinkwitz was just done this from the beginning? And we'll have that conversation, but we'll, it will be part of the conversation where we talk about a win. And we, that winnings will salve that wound. Colin, you have talked about numerous times this season that you, were, you had not abandoned Drink yet. You know, that, that as critical as we have been and as glaring as the mistakes have been offensively and just with personnel decisions that you were not done with him yet based on the hope and the prospects that uh, we could win based on recruiting and you know i guess how close we have come this season even though it's quickly the season is fucking absolutely tanking but do you still feel that way yeah and i'm gonna tell you why because ultimately it's college football it's college sports and the only thing that really matters in college sports I mean, not the only thing, but the thing that matters the most, and the second place is not close, but the thing that matters the most is recruiting. And right now, to this point, Drinkwitz can recruit. And maybe he can recruit to a level that uh, Les Miles did at LSU, where he literally recruited so well that they won in spite of him. <laughs> yeah. And so that's why I'm not right, because the most important thing is recruiting. It's what I said about Conzo Martin. It's the most important thing, and Drinkwitz can do the most important thing to this point. And that's why I'm willing to give him time to figure the rest of it out because you can hire, you know, five more coaches in a row and they may not be able to get this part right. And I'd much rather start with this part and try to figure out the rest than the other way around. You know, look what Dennis Gates is doing with um, basketball. You know, suddenly we're infused with talent and it just makes everything seem more optimistic. Everything looks better. We haven't even seen him play a game yet. But it is the most important thing. And Drinkwitch does it. So I'm not ready to, to, to cut bait. Theoretically, a bowl game is not out of the question this, right now. And I mean, I think, uh, you know, going in, expectations were not high for this season. I think we felt like if we got to and won a bowl game, we would have had a successful season. And uh, it's three, theoretically possible I would have said no way after the Kansas State game. We just looked so incompetent. But aside from shooting ourselves in the foot, which we do week in and week out, we do have a team that is capable of winning, especially – I mean, we played Georgia. They're our toughest opponent. We just watched Kentucky get beat, uh, obviously, without their quarterback, but they're, they've got weaknesses, you know. And Florida, Auburn, we should have won both of those games. You know, this is a season – that uh, my biggest frustration is that we had a season we could have capitalized on and it's almost like we chose not to capitalize on it rather than we didn't manage to you know and that's what it feels like with with brady cook playing it feels like we were making a decision like we're playing for next year or what's going on right now just isn't that important yet you know drinkowitz 
is like, hey, I'm bringing all these recruits in. They're young. We're just not there yet. So like, nobody get their hopes up. We're just going to let Brady Cook play this one. And it's like, I, I hate that, you know, and, and maybe that's not what uh, they're doing. But, man, it sure feels that way. There's a few questions I wish the Press Box Super Friends would ask. And I know it's no guarantee they get an answer, but I wish the question would be asked. I think at this point, it's safe to say that Brady Cook has been a significant enough failure that when a media person asks the coach about questions at the quarterback position, they have to answer it. They can't say, this is my guy. I'm sticking to him. I like what I see. We're past that. He's bad enough. We're, that doesn't fly. So just ask the question, what is keeping you from trying Sam Horn? Is it that he isn't big enough? Is it that he doesn't have enough experience? Is it that he doesn't know the playbook well enough? Is there some strategy that you have that we're unaware of? Tell us the rationale, because I don't think he's an idiot. I don't think it hasn't occurred to him that maybe his four-star freshman quarterback might be better than the existing starting quarterback. Surely it's occurred to him, but he's got something cooking, something going on that keeps him from doing it. What is it? Just tell us. Tell us why you're not doing this because we're pulling our hair out saying that doesn't seem to be a reason. You must have one. What is it? And I wish well, it would get asked. I, I think this – this um I, this Belichickian approach to the fans and the press that we, has become so pervasive in college and professional sports is really works against them. You know, they're all they're so worried that they're going to give away some piece of information that is going to be so, some in some way like uh, super important, which I can't imagine is ever going to actually happen. But what it does is it lets everybody leave everything up to interpretation. Pinkle was as bad as it ever, anybody. You remember the Maddie Mock situation? It's like, what is going on there? And then they get mad because everybody's like, oh, I guess he's just a cocaine-fueled maniac. Yeah. And it's like, well, you guys aren't giving us a counter-narrative. You're not creating any narrative. You're just stonewalling. And yeah. so now everybody else gets to try to make up their own decisions. And it's the same with Drinkwitz. Explain your reasoning for Brady Cook. Explain your reasoning for your play calling. Explain yourself. And if you do, then you don't have to worry about idiots like the Mazad cast guessing that's a good point the Ma maddie mock situation because you don't have to tell us everything not everything is everybody's business but if you don't tell us jack shit it leaves a void and it gets filled with speculation and i blame twitter i think that when twitter came about and that i'm, I'm not blaming twitter i'm blaming coaches social and media. athletic departments seeing social media and saying, we don't need the media anymore. We don't need newspapers anymore. We don't need radio guys. We don't need to do interviews. We don't need to get looks inside the locker room. We don't need to do any of that because if we want to get a message out, we can just do it directly through our social media. Millions of people will see it. We don't need the media, but they're wrong. They do need the media to quell these speculations. And you look at the NFL and how the practices are wide open, you know, like, they're, they're, anybody can go, you can watch it, you can stream it. You know, it's all there no, for you. I mean, not all of it. No, I mean, but not. you know, you can see way more NFL pregame practice. The guys talk more. It's all more wide open. And the, the stakes are I mean, arguably a lot higher. The only reason that happens, though, is because the NFL mandates it. Like the coaches are mandated to go out twice a week and talk to the press. Like the press has. They they wouldn't. They just aren't allowed to because there's they, they you know they're contractually obligated to do these things or they wouldn't. You know I don't know what Drinkwitz is contractually obligated to do for the press, but certainly he feels no compulsion to explain any of his decision making. That doesn't make him the exception to the rule. That is the rule now. 
It's like, we're going to do what we do and we're not going to tell you anything and, you know, pound sand if you don't like it. My point is so. mandate or no with the NFL, they still play football games. They still have successes. They still have failures. It doesn't stop this process from happening. We just know a lot more. And I don't think it benefits college athletics to keep everything secret like this. It doesn't help in any way. This I, is my point. I think they're, they're, they're wrong. They're wrong. They, they think they're doing something right by keeping their lip butt. But all they do is create an, uh, uh, an environment where the stories become just that, stories. Partially fabricated based on interpretation, based on you know our best guess. Do you want the Mazadcast's best guess to be the message you go out? Well, because if I was a coach, I wouldn't. But that is what they do. Like, let's let Gabe DeArmin and the Mazadcast and you know the, the Tiger Board let let those people decide what's happening and let because I we don't want to tell. Them. The thing about it too is that you can't just outright dismiss the message boards or these podcasts or whatever because sometimes there's information there. Like, you know, it, it came across our desk that. The Friday before the Georgia game, you know, the, the team gets a hotel and stays in Jefferson City the night before. They sort of sequester themselves. And there was a big fight, a big fight amongst the team that got out in the hotel. And nobody knows what it is for because nobody's going to talk about it. And you wouldn't expect the team to talk about it. But there's people around. People see there's fighting. And people talk about it. The word gets around. And so you're like, okay, well, now we know that there's divisions in the locker room or there's you know fights going on before one of the biggest games of the season amongst each other. But we don't know why, and so then there's speculation. And little things like that happen all the time. And if you Well, that's my thing. It's like if you had any brains, wouldn't you just say, "Hey guys, we got a bunch of high testosterone athletes in here. Sometimes they get sideways. You know, it's really nothing big deal. It's a little shoving match. These guys are brothers. They were literally shaking hands and laughing 10 minutes after it's over. You know what I mean? Like you can tell that narrative. Even if it's not true, it's certainly a better story to tell than we don't know what you're talking about. Button our lips. You know, we're all part of one team. We don't talk about this, blah, blah, blah. Instead, somebody can go on Power Mizzou and say, hey, Brady Cook went up to Luther Burden and said, hey, you're cashing a lot of money, eating a lot of potato chips, you know, eating some red hot ripplets, and you can't catch any of my fucking passes. You know, none of that's true, but somebody can go on and say it. And until a counter narrative is created, people are going to run with it. That's my point. That's, that's my, my, this whole point of this diatribe is if you, this complete and total lack of explanation or answers about anything is actually detrimental to them. It's detrimental to the way the fan base thinks about Drinkwitz, the way the fan base thinks about certain players. And coaches say, well, we don't care what anybody thinks. We got our job to do. It's like, you better care because these people are, you know, there comes a tipping point. You know, at some point the fans do matter enough, you know, because they're like, listen, the entire fan base is turned off. They're not showing up. And then all of a sudden it does matter there in Kowitz that you didn't do anything to improve your, your perception amongst the fans. You know, well, and it may not matter if Drinkwitz cares or not because you got over a hundred players on your team and they're all teenagers or young twenties and all they care about is social media clout. You know what I mean? Like that's a big deal to them. And so you may not care, but the guys actually touching the football on Saturdays, they care a lot. So control the story by, I don't know, giving a little. And yeah, it's no a simple thing. Is the worst, the worst plan ever. We got off track. We haven't even talked about the fact that Luther Burden's hurt, and we don't know why. We don't know how bad. We don't know how long he's going to be out. And the crazy thing is, our biggest guy in the season, people we were most ex- the person we were most excited to see, nobody's really that down in the dumps about it because the season's gone off the rails so badly that it doesn't feel like a Michael Porter Jr. situation. Where first of all, he I don't think he's hurt that badly, but secondly, 
It's like, well, if, you know, if he has to sit out the next three or four games, so be it. The season's already fucked. I mean, he wasn't doing anything, you know, he was dropping as many passes as he caught, you know, Drinkwitz couldn't get him involved in the offense because our quarterback is trash. So, I mean, what difference does it make? Until we get a quarterback who can get him the ball and until he can prove that he can catch it, it's not a big factor in how this team is going to go. Yeah, I mean, I'm. who cares what Luther Burden's up to? I mean, he has been, you know, honestly, if he's love it, then I'd be worried. I'd be like, hey, it's the only guy that can manage to get open enough for Brady Cook to hit it. I want Burden to be healthy, and I want him to get catches, and I want him to Me stay too. a. Ti- I want him to stay a tiger, you know. Ultimately, but it's not impacting the way the season's going so far because he's not been an no. impact player. And no. I don't, I don't blame Luther Burden for that necessarily either. I mean, no. we have got a trash quarterback, regardless of what a fan full of Pollyannas want to say on Twitter. I'm like, he is not good enough, and just look at his stats. I mean, he's just not good enough. Cook, yeah, he's just not. I mean, it's not even close. I mean, he's not. It's not like he's missing a, a one or two components that make him like, oh, if he just could figure this out, he'd be okay. He's, he's not good enough. Not even close. You know what and else is killing us? We've had a bad quarterback for so long that people are looking at him going, oh, maybe he's getting a little better. Maybe he'll be okay. It's like, no, you guys don't realize how bad he is. He is bad. You know, we, we harp on Rock M Nation for attacking the fan base all the time. But there is a segment that drives me crazy, and that is whatever's happening right now, just swallow the fucking bitter pill that it is and just be happy with it and wait more, just wait more. And it never works. And Brady cook is bad enough. He's not a wait more situation. It's not like you've got, okay, Sam Horn, he's a freshman. He goes in there and he struggles a little bit. Wait more, just wait. That's fine. I'm okay with it. He shows signs that he's going to be good in the future. Brady cook is not getting better. It's not a wait more situation. It's not a just trust blindly and he'll be fine situation. Like some of the fan base wants to No, 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 no. We're bad. We're bad at football. We need to get good at football to do that. We must change things, not just by burying our head in the fucking sand and saying, well, just trust the process. There's no process so far. You know, the process is too slow and it sucks. So I'm not going to trust something that sucks. It's disheartening um, because we are um, going to play Brady Cook. And as long as we're playing Brady Cook, we might as well just – I mean, like, why watch these games? Why pay t- – you know the outcome. It doesn't matter how many back-breaking pick-six interception type of situations happen in a game. It doesn't matter because he could throw six interceptions. He's still starting the next Saturday as long as Drinkwitz is under his current mindset, which we don't know what that is. But the crazy thing is that it literally doesn't matter what happens to Brady Cook. Short of an injury, he will be back on Saturday. You know, It doesn't matter no. how bad. And that seems, I'm sorry, it seems insane. And maybe it's not insane, Brennan. That's why like, I just drink what's explained to us you're thinking. Tell us, like, listen, he's the most ready quarterback right now. He's what we've got. I don't know if I'd believe that, but at least it would be an answer. Be like, well, at least it's what Drinkwitz believes. Yeah. But right now, it's like, you know, is, is Drinkwitz just an idiot? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, well, or is he truly this our best option? I don't know. It's. I just wish he would give us any explanation to the way some of these decisions are being made, or at least why they're being made. Well, why don't we take our first break, Colin? Uh, Missouri's lost three in a row. And again, games that we could have won. Frustrating, but uh, signs of hope. The defense is strong. There is talent on this team. The running back core looks good. But uh, we'll get into the next week and a lot, lot more. This is the Mazzotcast.
Hey guys, Mazodcast is now on Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you can join our Patreon page and get extra content from the guys, outtakes from the show, and any insider news that we have, we provide it there first. It doesn't cost much and your support helps the show. Join the Mazodcast Patreon and be part of the team. Here are our secrets. And as we do each and every week, we don't just tell you what we think about how these Tigers are doing. We uh, let you have a chance to talk. We let you have a chance to tell us your thoughts. This is the Mazzotcast Mailbag. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. It's easier to read where Brady Cook's throwing the football than it is to read a kindergartner, a children's book. This is ridiculous. Get him out of there. Into the first quarter, and Brady Cook is killing us. He is the reason that we suck. I hope he hears this, and he quit doing this to us, because he's terrible. Well, I can almost guarantee you he does not listen to our podcast. Yeah, it would be a, be a strange thing to want to listen to, honestly. <laughs> Especially the last few weeks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, it'd be kind of like, do you want to listen to what your wife has to say to you about her fr- around her friends? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. She's, your wife is giving your, her friends a detailed report card okay, on, of your lovemaking. Listen in. Oh, Lord. Drive me to drink with his uh, address the penalties, and by that I mean he's he's doubled them. Yeah. Bold strategy, Eli. Let's see if that works out for you. I'm hitting the hot stuff. Hot garbage is what we're watching. Hot, hot garbage. <laughs> yeah, we haven't really even talked about the fucking gut punch penalties we've had I mean, week in and week out, and this week was no exception. Yeah. And you know, that's a coaching thing. That's a discipline problem. And get the fucking penalties cleaned up. You don't have to have talent, but you can be disciplined. It's kind of like rebounding and, it's like, and defense in basketball. Like You don't have to be able to do the things that LeBron James does to rebound and play defense. Those are things that just come from, you know, want to. Yeah. And it's, I feel the same way about penalty. Just, you know, committing yourself to some discipline and, and working at it can, can make all the difference. And uh, But to this point, no one seems well, interested in doing that. Once again, Kevin from Kirkwood. Can someone please tell me what to think about this Mizzou team? One week, they go from the K-State debacle to UGA, and now against Florida, they're playing like they're a Big Ten team. Absurd time of possession advantage. Really good defense. Dreadful quarterbacking. And yet still, they're getting a decent outcome out of it. Does this team have no identity or something? I feel like we know exactly the identity of this team. It is. A good defense and an abysmal offense that has key components missing. It's like trying to run a car without an alternator. You know, you can have a beautiful car. Everything can be great. It can be a Lamborghini, but you kind of need that alternator. Hey, gang, Carolina Jackpot. What's up? I uh, got you guys game on. Big win for Jackpot. Three here in the double wide today. And, like, it's almost half the double wide what state. What has happened to offense in the uh, SEC East? You guys team fucking Florida, my team, fucking Kentucky, 
all of us are like battling it out for third fucking place in the SEC because it looks like it's clear who the top two teams are. But our fucking offenses are a wet fucking fart. A wet, and I'm not talking about a wet fart where the cheeks slightly vibrate and clap together. I'm talking about a <laughs> diaper drenching needs to be wrung the fuck out wet fucking fart. Like I, I want to take the damn little down. cool that come with the damn nutcracker set my mom and dad had when I was a kid. You know the little little sharp one that looks like a dentist instrument, except it's not. I don't know what the fuck you call it. And just like stab my fucking face at it every time I see us play. And I know y'all feel the same fucking way too. Because you have a fucking ball inside their damn ten with fucking first down. It's fucking you got to bring the damn fat kicker on. Motherfucker. I want y'all to fucking beat these motherfuckers. I cannot fucking stand Florida. That I fucking I, I can't stand them. I can't stand fucking Georgia. I damn sure can't stand, and I cannot. I seize every time I see fucking Tennessee come out on the fucking field to play damn football with that damn Debbie Tate stuffing ass fucking coach they got over them damn sidelines, fucking with the damn horseshoe stuck up their fucking ass so damn. Uh, deep, it ain't even damn funny. They're gonna get fucking exposed one of these days, goddammit. Anyway, I'll be fucking come back in the second half and beat these cunts, cause I don't like Florida and I don't like Sunbelt Billy. M-I-Z-Z-O-U! I know exactly what nutcracker tool he's talking about. It's got that little scoop in it. I guess it's to sort of get the last of that walnut bit out of your, uh, out of your nuts. But yeah, I've definitely wanted to plunge one of those into my fucking orbital socket a few times this year. I think it feels a natural impulse. Um, hi, this is Olivia. Ooh, it's a lady. I'm calling from um, Chicago. I'm at a very loud Mizzou watch party. And we all took a vote here and um, wanted to say that Eli Drinkowitz needs to put in the four-star recruit um, Sam Horn. Okay, that's all. Bye. Yeah. Did she say Sam Porn by any chance? Is that what I heard? I don't know. That would be aw- that'd be an awesome name. Sam Porn? Yeah, for yeah. sure. Well, I don't know who's at that party, but I agree with all of them. Wow, what a play by Schrader. I mean, the announcers are treating him like a make-a-wish kid, and <laughs> I, I really don't know what to think about that. The game's looking not great right now, but hey, what a play by Schrader there. Yeah, the guy. I mean, he's he's a, he can ball, you know? Not sad to have him on our team. No, it just, I think what it boils down to is I don't feel like he's the best court running back on our team. Is all, you know, all I'm saying. Like, it's not like, he, like I said, he's not a make a wish kid, but he is, he's not the best running back on our team. Well, boys, it's time and it's been time to end the break of experience. At this point, you're two and four. You got to build on 2023. My biggest fear is that next season when Sam Horn's playing, everyone's like, oh, you know, give Horn time first year. Well, I mean, give him that time now. Give him that experience because Brady Cook ain't going nowhere. Let's get Horn in there. Let's get ready for the future. And that way there's no growing pains next season. M-I-Z, get ready Brady Cook a quarterback. Seems to be a theme emerging. Hey, guys. You know, other than Brady Cook completely costing us the game, uh, I thought he looked pretty good. Why is Cook still the fucking starter? Jesus <laughs> Christ. The kid can't fucking play. Uh, just anybody else. Our season's over anyway. Why not just fucking try? It's, I mean, it's the logical question. Why not just try? 
You know, like it's not working. This ain't working. Just try. Yeah, you can tell us. Look, I've seen all these guys. This is the best we've got. Well, just try. Just try. And then if it doesn't work out, you can say, see, I told you, he was the best we had. What's the point of even trying to be happy at this point? M-I-Z. <laughs> Sad M-I-Zs. Another week, another game of fucking hot dog water, hobo cum, hot garbage sloppy steaks offense. Hobo cum. Hot dog water. Hot, hot garbage. garbage. Sloppy steaks at your finest. Big rare cut of meat with water dumped all over it. Water splashing around the table. I don't know why I do this to myself. Every Saturday, 9 fucking a.m. Pacific time, wake up and watch this quarterback and this head coach piss down their leg with bad throws, with bad play calling. Our defense actually played pretty fucking well considering everything that the offense put them in. I mean, I, I, I just don't know what to do. But, you know, I'm sure in two weeks I'll be right back at it again watching us lose to fucking Vanderbilt. M-I-Z. It's a good call. and Sadly accurate. It was a real sloppy steak kind of thing. What's up, guys? So today is Super Fan Phil Wedding, and the new kind of wed on Super Fan Phil's wedding day. Oh, you know, Brady Cook is from St. Louis, and he wore a Mizzou jersey. He's from Mizzou, and he's trained to play football for Mizzou. That's all bogus. He is not a good quarterback. Put in Sam Horn. Prepare for the future. Oh, Brady Cook's my quarterback because he grew up with a zoo fan. Who cares? That that was getting old. The announcers were they talk about it, you know, they they're trying you know, I'm really impressed with Brady Cook today and it's like, what? Like stop. What are you gonna say? But it's like, come on, like give me a break. Like this is ridiculous. I mean, I know you can't it's you're part of the broadcast, you're not allowed to say sucks, but let's not you know, make proclamation about how well he's played or how impressive he's been. Like, what are you talking about? We know one p- component of Brady Cook sucking so bad that we haven't even talked about is that uh, he threw both those fucking interceptions to that Jaden Hill, that goddamn Florida freshman cornerback who was fucking running his mouth about how they should never be losing to Mizzou. And it's just, you know, the, the under normal circumstances, they don't lose to Mizzou. And I'm like, first of all, fuckhead, you lost last year, you know, and you should have lost this week. So fuck off. And Brady Cook, God damn it, you had to fucking throw both fucking interceptions into this fucking mouth so that he can be vindicated after the game. God damn it, just fucking salt in the wound. Well, and it's ridiculous, too, because Missouri should have won that game. Missouri didn't yeah. lose. Missouri lost that game. Florida didn't win it. But, yeah, it's you know it's hard not to be upset with Drinkwitz. It's hard not to be upset with Brady Cook. Um, he took a hard hit late in the game, and I saw like immediately pop up. He knows what kind of ground he's on. You know, he looked a little shaken, but he's like, I cannot for a moment look like I'm hurt. I can't give anybody any excuse to take me out of this game because the only reason I'm in here is Drinkowitz, you know, obstinance. And if I give, if I, if I come out for even a single moment and let anybody have a, a snap, they might do something positive and it'll all fall apart. Sort of the only reason Drinkowitz can get away with this at this point is because everybody else is just sort of an unknown commodity. He can tell us they're bad. We have no other way to uh, verify that. That or Brady Cook just has a photo of Eli Drinkwitz and nude sitting on a fire hydrant halfway up his ass. Starting to wonder. It's possible. Speculation abounds. It'll be a broken record topic at this point, I'm sure. But part of me wonders if I set up campsite outside of Drinkwitz's house with a sign that says, please just play Sam Horn for one series. And I don't leave until he plays Sam Horn for at least one series. I wonder if I'll be able to, like, 
you know, file new residency or if maybe he'll just get so sick of me being there that he'll play Sam Warren for one series. But I don't know. I had a crazy dream that we lost to Florida 24-17. I don't know. Maybe it happened. Maybe it didn't. M-I-Z. Yeah, I'm not up on squatters' rights laws these days, but I have a sneaky suspicion that you would be parked out there for long enough that you might be able to attain squatters' rights to the Drinkwitz estate. I think it's worth a try. All right, Colin. So uh, a theme has definitely emerged, and it's uh, we have one key deficiency in our team. You know, it's not our exclusive deficiency, but it is definitely the primary deficiency, and it's only the most important position on the field. Pretty exciting stuff. Yeah, and, uh, you know, Colin, we're not the only team, though, that has deficiencies this season and has had some struggles. I don't oh, know. Oh, yeah? Don't know if you've been paying attention lately, but the uh, Arkansas Razorbacks, a team just to our south, they uh, had high hopes and they've been talking a lot of smack, a lot of big game out of Arkansas. They're sitting three and three, just one game better than us. And I don't know if you saw this or not, but Mississippi State poured 40 points onto that vaunted Arkansas team. Good defense, I, was, I heard they were supposed to have, uh, you know, Barry Odom. Guy you may be yeah. familiar with was their head coach mm-hmm. or coach call defensive coach, that, yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, a lot of calls for Coach Odom's head down there in Arkansas after they'd been celebrating for the last couple of years. As you know, he's a friend of the show. He is. He is absolutely is. And I reached out to him, and he agreed that he would uh, talk to us about how things are going down in uh, Fayetteville, and uh, got him on the line now. Oh, good. So. uh Coach Odom, are you with us? Hey, what's going on, boys? Hey, it's been a long time, Coach. It's good to hear from yeah, you. Yeah, long time no here. Good yeah. to see you. Good to hear you. How you been? I'm. We're doing well. Well enough. The Tigers aren't great, but oh, we're oh, looking. Wait, wait. You got Barry. Talk it. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's been a while. I missed that. So, uh, so Coach Odom, uh, you're down there at Arkansas, defensive coordinator, and people are glad to have you down there, but. It looks like we saw last week the score not so great. Uh, they, they gave up 40 points against Mississippi State, but uh, this can't be what you were expecting going into this season. Well, yeah, man, it's not great. But, hey, did you see what happened to Notre Dame? Oh, man, how embarrassing. Yeah, they, I mean, they've had a couple bad losses too. But but back to Arkansas, do you feel like things are going well there? We're seeing tweets, people saying to fire you, fire Coach Odom. Hey, man, I know some folks aren't happy, but God, did you see what Oklahoma, man, they laid an egg. Yeah. And I sure hate to be an Oklahoma fan right now. That would be, oh, man, that would be bad. <laughs> okay, well, Coach, I get that. I get that. But uh, but like what I was asking you about, are things okay down there in Arkansas? Are you okay? Is this defense okay? Well, how about a tit for tat turn that around? How are things in Missouri? Well, that's, that's true. Things aren't looking so hot. Yeah, I just uh, I was just noticing that that Drinkowitz fellow you guys were so high on, uh, his record is worse than mine. Yeah, and I got fired, if you'll recall. Yeah, we you guys remember that. <laughs> we do. We do remember that. Yeah, and we were uh, we weren't terribly upset about that decision at the time. Uh, Drinkowitz has and struggled. that hurts. I just want you to know, words hurt. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry about that, Coach. It's not the, nothing personal. We, as you know, we like you as a guy. But uh, there were times when it felt like maybe dog hunting was more important than coaching football. Well, certainly I think sometimes my obsession with soccer got the best of me. But yeah. It didn't affect my coaching, I don't think. But no, it, things are going good down here in Arkansas, really. I mean, I just uh, at least they're calling for Sam's job, too. So I feel like, you know, they used to, they were just blaming old Barry, yeah. as people seem to like to do. But now I, I've also seen quite a few... Fire Sam tweets, which uh, which uh, you know takes a little heat off old Barry. 
Do, do you feel that way, or do you, I mean, I feel like a lot of times head coaches like to, you know, let go of coordinators as sort of sacrificial lambs to sort of prolong their stay when things aren't going so well. Are you sure about that? Well, it's happened before. I mean, I, I know you fired a couple coordinators when things weren't going great. Ah, uh, that don't sound good. <laughs> you don't remember How doing can I that. Stop them from doing that. <laughs> I don't know. I'm more concerned that you don't remember firing your own coordinators. What? Well, it's been like ten years since I coached at Missouri. I think it was like four years ago. Either way, tit for tat, what have you. Yeah. I'm just saying that uh, how can I stop them? Well, I mean, what kind of relationship do you have with Coach Pittman at this point? Not really much of one. We play tummy sticks sometimes, but he doesn't talk. At yeah. least not to me much when it's happening. Okay. Well, what about uh, the Arkansas fan base? I mean, do you feel like those are just a few exceptions calling for your head, or do you think that uh, that's the overwhelming sentiment at this point? No, they're a bunch of slack-jawed, raving idiots. No, 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 no that's they're, they're just they're not the exception. The rule is they're uh, they're the worst humans on the planet. <laughs> that's the rule. The exception is the people that uh, aren't eating their own shit. Is that, is that right, Coach? I don't know if you want to put that on the air. It might help your uh, case down there. Keep your job. Well, I don't know. I mean, I think it might make people understand that uh, you know these shit-eating maniacs are uh, not to be trusted with you know their opinions anyway. Yeah, <laughs> you know, maybe Barry Odom. Barry Odom is the answer. You just can't listen to a bunch of window licking morons who love to chub four loco and rape their own sister. Good <laughs> lord! Well, Coach, you're facing BYU next week at Brigham Young in uh, Provo, Utah. Brigham Young is four. Yeah, that's right. Not familiar. Not familiar with Provo, Utah. It's just a weird word, man. It is weird. It is weird. There's a lot weird in Utah. I'll just put it that way. Oh, you ain't kidding. BYU is coming off a loss, I believe, to Notre Dame, and uh, but they are four and two on the year, and they're favored by two and a half over the Razorbacks. Do you feel like you've got this defense figured out? Do you think you're going to be able to slow down the Brigham Young, whatever they are? Man, I'll be honest with you. I got no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> that is that is quite a confession. Well, you know what? I've decided just to you, you be. You know me. I'm a straight shooter, guys. Always have. To. You know, uh, maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll go to this old Provo, and maybe I'll like it so much I won't I won't leave. I mean, uh, these Mormons seem like they got a few things figured out. I mean, uh, a couple more wives wouldn't hurt. You know what I mean? <laughs> really? Is that right? You might just become a Mormon. What's the rules? I mean, I'm they they let anybody in, right? Except black people, I hear. Well, that used that used to be a thing there. That's what I hear. But I think they've <laughs> resolved that. Um, that uh, makes it even better. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd hate to join an organization that is uh, racist. But, uh, yeah, sure. You know, lots of wives, and uh, they seem like a good-natured bunch. Well, uh, you might uh, th- they might frown on the beer drinking. That's one thing. You know, to- Oh, oh. Well, it's worth a shot. I guess I'll just have to stick to good old-fashioned Scientology. <laughs> you stick with the normal things like Scientology, eh? Tom Cruise does it. Can't be wrong. Yeah, he's Maverick. How many uh, fighter jet pilots are in your congregation? <laughs> Not too many I, that I know of. Well, Coach, it's it's good to hear from you. We hope things get better down there in Arkansas. Um, you know, the defense, I hate to tell you this, the defense looks pretty good up here in Missouri right now. Well, I laid a foundation of excellence. <laughs> I don't think any of your players are left. A few of them, I'm sure. I don't, I, that's like not, that Bolton guy, he's really good. <laughs> he is good, but he's good with the Kansas City Chiefs. Well, is that some sort of nickname for the defense now? Yeah, it like is. the Land Sharks or something? Yeah, sure, it is. Coach, we wish you all the best down there in uh, Razorback country. We know it can't be easy to uh, dwell amongst those mouth-breathing jackasses. I'll so. be honest with you, there's, a, there's, a little, there's some hard feelings. I mean, it, uh, 
you know, Missouri's no paradise, but Jesus Christ, it's not Arkansas. Holy cow, this place sucks. <laughs> well, on that note, I think that's a perfect place to leave it. Thank you for, again for joining us, Coach. We'll have you on again as the situation develops down there at Fayetteville. Yeah, yeah. Uh, woo pig suey and all that. Sure, yeah. Well, we appreciate it. Colin, I, uh, as always, I, I, I don't know what I would have expected, but Coach Odom doesn't seem that concerned about his job. You know, his level of concern has always shocked me. You know, he just, he's, he's a guy that rolls with the punches as well as anyone. Yeah, he just lives his life, you know, regardless of what happens. Yep. Anyway, we mentioned that Arkansas took one on the chin this weekend, but why don't we look around the horn at the rest of the SEC? We, we, we break our bread at Waffle House, our kids are pretty good. We even play some basketball when Jesus says we should. So pour a little bourbon and repeat right after me. Built a church for Saturdays and called it SEC. Jesus loves football. And would you fire up the Paul Feinbach, Colin? Absolutely. Alabama, Alabama, Alabama. Nick Saban. Thanks for joining us, Paul. Thank you, Mizzou Cast Podcast. Well, the first game I have for the day was number one in the country now, Alabama, who took the number one spot from Georgia after their uh, hiccup game against Mizzou, played Texas A&M. And I don't know if you watched this one, Colin. It was the Saturday night game, the late game. Alabama hung on and won 24-20, to but only because Texas A&M could not poke it in the end zone in the last second drive. I passed out from drinking too much. It was a real scare. For the Crimson Tide, and Jimbo Fisher almost got some sweet, sweet revenge for a second straight win over Nick Saban. Just missed out. Nick Saban. I really didn't want Jimbo to win this game. You know, I no, I, me either. I feel like Texas A&M is uh, deserves everything they get, and so I'm uh, happy for them to uh, to lose, even if it's to Alabama, who would be. It's always nice when they lose. But I don't agree. Jimbo sucks, and uh, you're right I'm about that. Enjoying, yeah, I'm kind of enjoying Texas A&M, thinking they've had it all figured out with their. Deep, deep pockets and just getting an absolute wet fart out of a Jimbo Fisher and his I love program. It. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. He, uh, he sucks. He's got a $95 million buyout and, uh, he does play well against Alabama. AM is a weird ass team. They, they played well, Alabama got down to the water. Of talent. Yeah. That's why I know Jimbo Fisher's a terrible coach because they got mountains of talent. He just doesn't know how to get anything out of them. And the only thing that does get it out of them is playing an opponent. Like Alabama, you know, then because that doesn't require coaching. It just you know, like everybody knows, hey, it's Alabama. We got to bring our A game, and the kids get up for it, and so they always play well, and they're super talented. So it always pans out. You know, every other week they just wet themselves, and it's uh, it's it's hot dog water times down there in A and M. Hot dog water, and uh, that's because of terrible coaching. Hot garbage. That's right. Speaking of hot dog water times, Auburn, who uh, faced Georgia this week, two teams that had beaten Missouri by a single score, uh, Georgia. Recovering from that game in Columbia, number two in the country now, put it to Auburn, 42-10. to 10. Took a little bit for them to get started, but uh, second quarter they poured on a couple touchdowns and never looked back. This is what we expected out of Georgia. Auburn is just as bad as we thought. So just look at these two teams on the same scoreboard and think, fuck, we should have beat them both. Then we have number eight, Tennessee, who is undefeated on the year. They took on LSU in Death Valley. LSU was ranked 25 after a couple of good wins, and uh, Tennessee put it to them 40-13. to 13. Won me some money. I bet on this. I didn't think LSU was any good, and sadly, it does appear that Tennessee is pretty sharp. 
Twink Caleb called me about this game, and I was like, I would expect a line to be at least seven. He's like, so do I. And he ended up taking it and winning money on it. And I hope, uh, yeah. Brennan, did you do that as well? I, oh, yeah. I, I, I won. I say three sound, seemed just like a absurdly low number. It was one of those games that I looked at the, the number, and I thought, maybe I should just bet the house. You know what I mean? Like, maybe I should uh, you know, put all my savings, life put, savings. No, no. Yeah, put just an absurd amount of money on it. Yeah, you know, I just, you know, I like to bet a, a few shekels here and there. But I saw this one, I thought, well, this looks like free money to me. And uh, I was tempted. And in hindsight, I wish I had. Yeah. I wish I had mortgaged my children's future. You'd mm. be smart to have done so. Yeah. Uh, Old Miss took on Vanderbilt in Nashville. Old Miss, number nine in the country, has looked impressive so far. They won the game 52 to 28. But uh, Vanderbilt led at halftime. It took a while for Ole Miss to get it figured out, and then they just absolutely curb-stomped them in the second half. 35 second-half points, one touchdown for Vandy in the second half, did them in, but uh, had to make them wonder a little bit or worry in uh, Oxford whenever trailed Vandy at the half. Yeah, it's one of those things. I think that it's a, it's a game that's easy to sleep on because it's Vanderbilt and, you know, it sometimes, it happens all the time with teams like that. You know, they, you sleep to the first half and you're like, well, Jesus, we don't really get our shit together. We're going to get beat. And uh, then they always, when the teams wake up in the second half and, uh, you know, it never turns out the way the Vanderbilts or the Missouris, for that matter, or the world wanted to. Yeah, speaking of games not going the way they wanted to, uh, Kentucky took on South Carolina at home. Kentucky ranked 13 right now, uh, going up without their starting quarterback, Will Levis. Uh, the line was tight, and it was because of the Levis injury. People didn't know what that would mean for this Kentucky squad because South Carolina does not look good. But <laughs> Carolina won convincingly 24-14. to South Carolina is now 4-2 and two with a big win over a top 25 opponent on the road. Carolina jackpot has to be happy about that. Wildcats. Yeah, I think it's shit the bed. I think it's become obvious that uh, South Carolina is this year's Kentucky. If that makes sense. Tell me what you mean by that. Well, everybody's high on Kentucky, and oh, Kentucky's going to you know win in games in the East. They're going to be important. And it's actually South Carolina's. It's their year to be that team to jump up and and sort of uh, compete in the East. We'll see. There's always sort of a circle of of teams. You know, Kentucky sort of owned that spot for a couple seasons. Missouri owned it before then, and then oh, and South you know, Carolina, Kentucky, South Carolina, Missouri. Those, well, I guess what you'd call them is second tier yeah. teams, and one of them is always sort of challenging for the upper echelon of the SEC. Tennessee, sort of, uh, I guess, could, I, I don't know why I count them upper echelon, except that they've had some history and they've got so much money and size, mm, and that, they're doing well uh, this year. Yeah, but Missouri was that in the in the Big Twelve days. We were the it was us in Kansas State typically battling to who's going to be the team that's going to go lock horns with Oklahoma, Texas. Uh, and Missouri was that second-tier team that was going to jump up and bite once in a while. And right, and Missouri has been that in the SEC, and Kentucky has owned that spot in the SEC for a couple of years now. And uh, I think that might be South Carolina this year. They're the, they're the second-tier, whatever you want to call it, team that's going to jump up and, uh, and have some success. We will see how it goes down the road. I mean, Carolina hasn't looked great overall. They're only one and two in conference so far. No, and Spencer Rattler is not the answer. I mean, he's going to be their answer now, but he's not great. Then we mentioned the uh, Mississippi State Arkansas game. Uh, Mississippi State embarrassed Arkansas at home, uh, forty to seventeen. God, they really did. That's going to be. There are a lot more. I mean, Arkansas fans were so 
ecstatic about Sam Pittman. And just any time we'd mention that they keep losing and losing and losing to Missouri, they'd say, well, yeah, 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 but that was with Brett Bielema or that was with Chad Morris or that was this or that or whatever. I'm like, every time you guys get a new coach, you think he's the answer. And they're not. And now Sam Pittman has been exposed. What Sam Pittman is doing is a shtick, not a coaching philosophy. And shticks wear out. And then speaking of shticks, uh, that takes us to basically the Florida-Missouri game where Missouri fell 24-17 in the swamp. We talked about it in depth. The hapless Tigers continue to inch toward the bottom of the SEC. Let's look forward to next week, week seven of college football, getting into the meat of SEC play. Auburn will be heading to Oxford, Mississippi to take on number nine, Ole Miss. Um, Ole Miss should be winning this game. They are a 14-point favorite. Ole Miss hasn't really proven themselves. They've got one good win over Kentucky, although they struggled against Kentucky some. So Auburn's not good, but they're a, uh, a top-tier program. I fully expect Ole Miss to win this game. I don't know if I'd want to take those 14 points. I wouldn't. Uh, then we've got as big a laugher as you can get in conference play. Georgia is going to be taking on Vanderbilt. Georgia regained the number one slot after Alabama struggled with A&M. Uh, there's a 39-point line on this one. 39 points, which takes us to, I think, probably the premier matchup of the week and one of the premier matchups of the season for the SEC. Number three, Alabama will be taking on now number six, Tennessee. Tennessee's 5-0. and Alabama's 6-0. and Alabama's a 7.5-point favorite. It is in Knoxville. Who do you like in this one, Colin? Tennessee, I hate to say that. A lot of it has to do with will Alabama's quarterback be healthy. I think that's one of the problems that they had was their backup quarterback didn't look so great. I, uh, well, I, what am I thinking? No, Alabama. I mean, don't, you know, never pick against Alabama unless until Alabama starts losing. I mean, that's crazy talk. What am I thinking? But Tennessee looks good, and Tennessee is going to be so up for this game, you know, because yeah. Tennessee thinks they're good, and they are good, but, the, you know, this is... This is their moment to prove, prove right? Yes. This is your prove-it game. This is it. This is what you wait around for all year long, and so there's not going to be a single game on the, the schedule that they're going to look forward to more. So it, it, it's certainly a game that you're going to want to watch. I think, I mean, everybody is... Um, like, it, it should be a, just an absolute barn burner, you know, because... Tennessee's going to give them all they want, and so is Alabama. You know, Alabama gets up for these games, too. I mean, Alabama has very few games where I think they feel like they're, you know, in a position to be even slightly intimidated or afraid. Not that they would be necessarily, but they just don't play very many big games because most of the time they're just going to beat everybody by 35 points, and this is a game they could lose, and I think Alabama knows it. And yeah. so they'll be up, too. It'll be It's going to be a good game. A lot of it's going to come down to whether Bryce Young is healthy. You know, if he is able to start for Alabama, they're going to be a lot better position than if they're uh, limping along with this uh, backup they've got who just really didn't impress against AM. And then, uh, as we mentioned, Arkansas is going to be taking on BYU on the road, a shitty road game out of conference for Arkansas to have to go to Provo, Utah, coming off an embarrassing loss against Mississippi State. BYU is favored by a point, at least what I'm seeing here on the line from Caesars. The over-under is 62. They're expecting a lot of points, and BYU to actually pull out the win. I don't know. We'll see how bad Arkansas – I mean, I think if they lose to BYU on the road, Barry Odom might have to worry about packing his bags. Yeah. Well, and because you're right. I mean, that's what – Sam Pittman has had enough success in his brief time at Arkansas compared to what Arkansas has done the last few years that I bet you're going to get at least another year of Sam Pittman, regardless of what happens this year. But there is always going to have to be sacrificial lambs, and that is going to be Barry Odom. 
And then uh, Florida will take on LSU in the swamp. Florida's one and two in conference. LSU's two and one in conference. Florida's favored by two and a half points. This does look like a matchup of two relatively evenly matched teams, I think, from one from the West, one from the East. Who do you got? I, I don't know. I think I'm, I think I'd be inclined to take LSU. Florida did not appear too impressive to me. And LSU has had a couple of, of good wins. They've had some ugly games too. So I really, I wouldn't want to bet it, but if I had to, if somebody twists my arm, I think I'd take LSU. And then the final matchup of the week is another conference game, Mississippi State, who has been very impressive of late, 16 in the country, 5-1 and one overall, 2-1 and one in the SEC, taking on number 22, Kentucky, who's coming off of that big loss without their starting quarterback, Will Levis. Mississippi State is favored by a touchdown on the road at Kentucky. I believe that Kentucky has been Kentucky's kind of been shit in the bed, and so Mississippi State's on a roll. I don't necessarily that doesn't mean I necessarily believe in Mississippi State because if they were playing somebody that wasn't Kentucky or somebody of that ilk, I would say ah, I'm still going to pick against Mississippi State. But Kentucky's played poorly, and you know I would I don't know why Mississippi State would have trouble with Kentucky when they can have been beating some of these other teams. That's the final matchup around the horn for the SEC. All right, Colin, the SEC games weren't the only thing going on in the world. Let's also check in a little to our west with Kansas news. I always heard there were three kinds of suns in Kansas. Sunshine, sunflowers, and sons of bitches. This is Kansas News. Our first story of the day, Kansas man allegedly stabbed his brother after they argued over a sandwich. I've been there. Yeah. I would kill you for a good enough sandwich. It wouldn't even have to be very good, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> Just pre-made. A rural Kansas man was injured Saturday after his brother allegedly stabbed him when they argued over a sandwich. Deputies responded to a residence in Paola, Kansas, where they learned the brothers allegedly fought when one brother ate the other's sandwich. When the argument became physical, one brother allegedly stabbed the other in the leg. The victim was taken by personal vehicle to the hospital with injuries that were not life-threatening, according to the sheriff's office. Deputies located and arrested the suspect who is being held in the Miami County Jail. The incident remains under investigation. Uh, this should be a open and shut case, I'd like to think. As much as you would like to stab people for your sandwiches, you're not allowed to. Not even in Kansas. Well, this is just a, another instance of bad Kansas reporting as well because the number one – I mean, I'm left with one question. I don't know about you, Colin. Do you know what this question would be in my mind? What, what the journalist failed to ask? No, please enlighten me. What fucking kind of sandwich was it? Oh, that makes perfect sense. Why wouldn't – you know, God, what if it's like a – Plumento loaf or something like that. How ridiculous would that be? Yeah, I mean a BLT. Oh, I could get down. I would. I would. I would kill someone for a BLT. Yeah, a good BLT is hard to beat. Mm-hmm. It's probably a prairie dog meat sandwich. Ultimately, one has to say. I mean, any meat is probably a a rare feast for a Kansan. You know what I mean? Like they just don't get flesh very often. It's uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Right? Well, I mean, I, I like beef. Right. Yeah. Prairie dog meat is most common, but uh, mostly it's just, you know, scraps of shoe leather, shoe leather. And what the, what the carnivorous animals have left behind, they kind of scrap sure. on anything that's on the roads. Yeah, the Kansas people are scavengers. Mm-hmm. They're scavenger people. Referee shortage in Kansas could be in part due to 
behavior of parents and fans. Oh, that's shocking news. Yeah. I mean, they're such a good-natured people, these scavenger Kansans. Mm -hmm. There's a problem here in Kansas, and that's a lack of officials for sporting events. Well, that's not your first problem, but it is sure one of them. Uh, Well, like the last few years, like society is so consumed with grievance. I can only imagine like what, you know, what what some of these guys feel like at at a... at an elementary school basketball game, how how entitled they feel to stand up and scream at a at an official. Sure, to and respect their opinion. <laughs> Fat, toothless maniacs lumbering out onto the field or court, mm-hmm. just standing in the crowd. Karen's everywhere, you know. Yeah. What I mean, just telling everybody the way things ought to work and why her son didn't do what the official said. Live, laugh, love, or was or was justified in doing whatever it was. Right. Videos are all over social media of parents and fans coming out of the stands to confront officials. Now the state of Kansas is taking action. District Athletic Director Caleb Stoppel said, We want to continue to show grace. We want to help our stakeholders and our fans to grow to understand the expectation that comes with sportsmanship. However, the time has come when we need to now increase the level of accountability. Brennan? I made brownies for my church bake sale, so I'm allowed to tell this official that his mother's a cunt. <laughs> that's, that's right. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's the logic being used in most of these cases. Quid pro quo. That's, you know, I, I go to church every Sunday. You know I me? Mean? I'm allowed to punch uh, my kid's coach in the throat, <laughs> and I'm no less Christian for doing it. That's right. Stoppel is referring to the bench bad behavior campaign recently launched by the National Federation of State High School Athletic Associations, which has been adopted by the Kansas State High School Activities Association. It starts everywhere. Stoppel said, sportsmanship starts with me, but it also starts with you. And it starts with everyone else involved. That goes for the official. Sounds like it starts with everybody, Brennan. Yeah, well, it's it's one of those things. It's absolutely meaningless. The parents have to be a parent and nothing else. Uh, Wichita South High School Athletic Director John Martin says it's time to stand up for officials. Without officials, we don't have games, Martin said. And if the bad behavior continues, less and less people want to be officials. And then we won't be able to participate and use sports as an intervention to curb some of our youth troubles. Well, it sounds like you don't have youth troubles. You have adult troubles. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Youth are fine. It's the uh, lunatics that live in your state that are the issue. A national survey of officials showed 55% have listed verbal abuse as the reason they've quit. 59 don't feel respected. 57% feel sportsmanship is getting worse. And 84% say they've been treated unfairly by spectators. Well, I can imagine that. The bottom line is that officials are quitting faster than new ones are signing up. Well, and they don't, it doesn't pay worth a damn, really. I mean, it used to be desirable because it was very little work to get paid in just in general. You know, I uh, did some, officiated some uh, like youth league soft or baseball games this summer. Mm-hmm. It just made basically made like 35 bucks for staying there for two hours and literally just standing there calling, you know, calling someone out at first base um, or no, what was it? It was like 45 bucks a game, two games, a uh, two games a day. You know what I mean? Like you make a, you make a little quick cash. It's, it's fine. It's easy until uh, Jimbo comes out of the, uh, you know, crowd and whips his fucking, Amstel light at your head. Amstel? Amstel? Isn't that how you say that? Amstel? A-M-S-T-E-L? Or Something like that. Mm-hmm. Either way. Let's be honest. <laughs> it's a natural light. Yeah, that's right. If you can't be a good sport, Stoppel said, you may not be around for the end of the game because I promise you, we will be part of the solution and we will find a solution to this because if we don't, we can't play. And that's that's almost where we are right now. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> Things are dire in Kansas. People are pieces of shit, I guess. Turns out. I mean, people are pieces of shit everywhere, but I have to think it's just mm-hmm. dial up the heat on Kansas. Yeah, I think I think everyone's a bigger piece of shit in Kansas. Everybody knows that. It's like Texas, only for shit. Everything's bigger. Yep, that's right. Topeka woman uses frying pan to fend off attempted burglary. Well, if I've learned anything from Bugs Bunny cartoons, it makes a great weapon. Tom and Jerry cartoons are probably the way you learn that the most uh, specifically. Yeah, and when you hit someone with a frying pan, then you leave an indent in the shape of that a person's face in the frying pan. That's what I've learned from Tom and Jerry cartoons. And then when you uh, and you can also get a lump on your head that protrudes like a bowling pin. But you can push it down with your finger. Yep, that's true. Those Mm -hmm. are all medical facts. One man is behind bars after a Topeka woman fought him off with a frying pan during an alleged burglary. The Topeka Police Department said that Alejandro Ontiveros, age 32, was arrested and booked into jail after an attempted aggravated burglary. When officers arrived on the scene, they found Ontiveros had allegedly attempted to burglarize the home. However, the female victim fought him back with a frying pan. Ontiveros was booked into the Shawnee County Department of Corrections on aggravated endangerment of a child, aggravated burglary, battery, and interference with law enforcement officers. He remains behind bars on $250,000 bond. No word as to whether she finished making the bacon. You know, it's it's one of those things where you expect Kansans to all be armed with uh, with assault rifles all the time. You know, you, But apparently some of them have frying pans. Yeah. Well, and I mean, it, the important thing is that you turn anything you have into a weapon when you have the opportunity. I was kind of hoping this would turn into a Kansas recipe at some point. I mean, I, I am curious, much like with the sandwich story, I'm curious to know what she was making, what the frying pan was being used for prior to uh, bludgeoning a burglar over the head with it. But uh, Kansas journalists, they fall short commonly. Uh, we have one final Kansas story on the day. The Jayhawks, who were sitting at 5-0, and Colin, and gotten themselves a national ranking, sitting at 19 in the country, hosted Number 17, TCU. Now, TCU had poured on 5,000 points over Oklahoma, I think, a week or two ago. Kansas has just been unstoppable. Did you watch this game, Colin? Did you keep up with the Kansas score? No, I didn't. That's shocking. <laughs> I know that you usually do. Yeah, I'm, I'm usually a big Jayhawker, but uh, no, I didn't make this one. Well, sadly, I have to report that the Jayhawks have found their first defeat in the year. Uh, TCU beat them 38-31. to it was a lot closer. I thought this is going to be the uh, the game where you know Kansas kind of finds out that uh, oh maybe they're not that good. Yeah, but well, uh, they did. They 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 acquitted themselves well. They had twenty one third quarter points. Uh, tacked on another touchdown in the fourth quarter. Ultimately, it wasn't enough. They trailed by a touchdown uh, in the first half, and they were never able to overcome that deficit. The Jayhawks are better than I'd like to admit, um, but yeah, they did. Lose to a good TCU team, and uh, like I said, they sit at 5-1 and one now. I'm assuming they'll fall right back out of the rankings. I know that the uh, the AP, the coaches' polls, none of them wanted to put a national ranking next to Kansas's name. Well, and I don't think they're that good. I think they're, I think they're, they're way, way better than they've been, and they'd probably beat Missouri right now, but um, that's not really saying much. No, that's no, not. So, uh, sad news out of the state of Kansas. Colin, it is time to give out our awards. Now it's time for Kirk Farmer's Hair, Player of the Game. Oh, Brennan? Yeah. Who you got? It is tough. It's tough to say, you know, who who you want to take in a game where we lose. And, I mean, Colin, this season, 
the one thing I was thinking about uh, during the break was that it's just not any fun. It feels like homework to watch Mizzou play this year. You know what I mean? Like it shouldn't be it that is way. Homework. It's if, you know, at some point I'm just like, I'm only watching this because I have an obligation to the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it shouldn't feel like homework. I, I mean, I guess what I would do is give it to uh, Nathaniel Pete. He has been a great running back. Um, despite he probably deserves more credit than he's been getting. Well, I mean that brutal, brutal way that he lost the Auburn game was hard to look past. But I mean he he had twenty carries, one hundred seventeen yards, ran for five point nine yards a carry, and it had a touchdown. Cody Schrader had had a big run, but like Nate Pete is the guy on the ground as far as I'm concerned. And if for no other reason than to encourage Eli Drinkwitz to use Nate Pete more. I want to give him the award. All right. I'm sure it will help. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, they all listen. Uh, Nathaniel Peake, congratulations. I think this is your first ever Kirk Farmer's Hair Player of the Game Award. And that takes us to our other award, named after TJ Moe, once a great slot receiver for the University of Missouri Tigers, who turned to douchebaggery, and we've named the award for him. It's now time for the TJ Moe Douche of the Week. Brendan, you might have noticed in the Mizzou game that there was a fellow by the name of Judge that was uh, hitting a lot of home runs. Yeah, Aaron Judge has been the uh, poster child for ESPN, no matter what you're trying to watch. It it opened the door to a certain douchebag to have a little fame, and his name's Roger Maris Jr. Who's done nothing Uh, other than become the sperm of Roger Maris. Yeah, he was the guy who got blowed up in his mom's guts and then came out a little while later. His dad had... Some pretty and remarkable accomplishments. Uh, to this point, he has none, um, at least baseball-related accomplishments. But he became—he thought he was the voice of baseball for ten minutes because he was—they were dragging him around the country with the Yankees, mm-hmm. and the press kept sticking a mic in front of his face. And he started making all these proclamations about who's the home run champion, who's the clean not, home run king, and, clean. Yeah, you know. And so, and I'm not necessarily arguing with his point. You may agree with him, or you may disagree with him. It was his, it was his, uh, thought that because his dad hit a lot of home runs near a hundred years ago, that, <laughs> that he was somehow now the arbiter of all things baseball. He was just such a douche about it. And I was like, I was so happy that, uh, Judge hit the goddamn home run. So Roger Maris could go back to do- junior, could go back to doing whatever it was he did before he made baseball fans' lives miserable with his opinions. <laughs> yeah. I, the thing about the steroid era to me and the home runs of Mark McGuire and Barry Bonds and Sammy Sosa produced is like, if you are old enough to remember that era and be a fan during that era, Tell me that you didn't enjoy it. <laughs> Tell me that it wasn't fun for you and you didn't follow along. I know that I'm a Cardinals fan, and of course, Mark McGuire was on the squad. But there's a part of me that doesn't really give a shit about the steroids. I mean, there's a part of me that wants to go to the – let's just have an all-steroids league, and let's just see what the human body is what? capable of. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I'm, I'm, I'm saying I'm, I'm a comfortable with a buster only and, uh, and Tim Kirchin, you know, having this conversation on an ESPN television. I just don't want to hear it from fucking Roger Maris Jr. Yeah. You know, I mean like what, in what way is he justified? Is he qualified to, to, to make those determinations for all of baseball? Yeah. By simply being the product of a white hot buck session between his parents. We have to assume that Roger Maris was just giving it to the old lady. <laughs> yeah. Like beat the brakes off of it. Yeah. But uh, anyway, Brendan, I'm nominating Roger Maris Jr. for Douche of the Week. Sure. For lack of any other uh, person to nominate, congratulations, Roger Maris Jr. 
your dad's record means nothing. (laughs) I mean, I guess him saying he has a clean home run record now, Aaron Judge does, that does mean that he didn't count Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, Barry Bonds, any of those home runs is is counting. But now we can officially put Roger Maris's record to bed. It's nothing. And you're nothing. Get out of here. All right. Well, I feel good about that. Colin, the, the Tigers have a bye week this week. I guess I would say much needed. It's always needed when you have a bye week. But then we face Vanderbilt. Hopefully, Luther Burden will be healthy by then. Maybe, yeah, maybe crossed. some magic will have happened and Eli Drinkwitz will have come to his senses and play somebody else at quarterback. Um, that's not going well, to happen. Well, certainly, but. you know, it's not going to happen. But certainly, if you're going to prepare a, you know, freshman for his first start, a bye week would be a good time to do it. It seems like you'd be out of excuses not to make a change. Yep. But I'm sure he won't. On that upbeat note, M-I-Z. Z-O-U. just a weird word, man.